This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. And uh, I just want to give you just a few thoughts this morning uh, on thankfulness. And uh, I want to call your attention to the book of Job, chapter 1, if you have your Bibles this morning. I think they'll have this on the overhead as well. Job chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading with verse 13. The title of my message this morning is, When Being Thankful is All You Have Left. When there's nothing else left, but you can just be thankful to God. That's, that's it. That's all you have. Verse 13 says, There was a day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And when the Sabians raided them and took them away, indeed they killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While that man was still speaking, another also came And said, the Chaldeans formed three bands and raided the camels and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And yet while he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they are all dead and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When we drop down in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, Job has then been stricken with boils all over his body. In verse 9 of chapter 2, his wife comes in. The Bible says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish woman speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from the Lord? And not accept adversity. The end of that verse is, and all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Father, I ask you this morning, God, in this house, Lord, that you would, Lord, just open our hearts to receive. Lord, your word has been anointed, and we ask you that we receive from it this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I want you to think for just a moment about the the day that Job has just had. I've read this obviously many times before, but I just read it over and over this past week trying to grasp what was taking place. One thing after the other, 
And we're not talking about a bump up on the side of 820 somewhere. We're talking about major events are taking place in Job's life. Catastrophic adversity is finding its way to Job's home. And I, I want to just remind you that the Lord has already said that there was none like Job in all of the earth. That's a bold statement coming from the Father, amen. There was none like him. He stood head and shoulders above other men in his relationship with the Lord. But yet we find that adversity began to come his way. One thing after the other. And all of a sudden, he finds everything in life itself has been stripped away. Everything, his, his wealth, his heritage, his health, everything he had but his life had been stripped away. And it's always intrigued me so much that the response that Job has when all of this happens, the Bible says that he, he tore his clothes and he began to give worship and he just thanked the Lord. He be, the Bible says he began to bless the Lord in spite of all the adversity. He, he just lost everything imaginable to man. But Job had no doubt learned the importance of having a grateful heart. You see, it's hard to learn a grateful heart in the moment of adversity. You need to learn, we need to learn to have a grateful heart in the good times when things are going as they should. Because if we don't, when adversity comes, we won't be grateful in what takes place. But Joe, no, no doubt, had learned to have a grateful heart in spite of all of this. Having an ungrateful heart is serious business when it comes to the Lord. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3 lumps ungrateful people in the same pot with the boastful, the proud, the scoffers of God, and the disobedient. And he goes on to mention the ungrateful. Having an ungrateful heart is an important thing to adjust in your life. Have you ever met somebody that doesn't seem like they can be happy with anything? Everybody's got somebody. Everybody's got somebody in your family. How many of you have just got that family member? Oh, come on, church. Some of y'all not being honest this morning. I heard a story recently about a, two friends were talking, and a, uh, the man was really upset, one of the friends, and the, the other friend said, man, what's wrong? He said, well, yesterday I had a good, another good friend die, and he left me $40,000. He said, well, that sounds great. He said, well, you don't understand. He said, just a few hours later, my aunt died, and she left me $100,000. He said, that's even better. I, what, what? He said, no, 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 you don't understand. He said, that evening, my uncle died, and he left me a quarter of a million dollars. And the friend says, I don't understand. He said, all of this happened yesterday to you, and you're sad today? He said, yes, but I haven't had one good thing happen today yet. We've all met somebody, and maybe we've all been that person ourselves at some point in life where it didn't seem like we could just be grateful for anything. We shouldn't be shocked when adversity comes our way. John 16, the Bible tells us, listen, 
don't be deceived. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Trouble is going to come. But when everything else is stripped away and there's nothing left, what have you got to be thankful for? Say, Pastor, that's not a real good faith sermon this morning. You're telling us that everything can be stripped away. Listen, all I can tell you, just like Job said, naked you came into this world and naked you're going to leave. The Lord gives and he said the Lord takes away. And I want to tell you, church, unless we learn how to be grateful in him, if we, be, if we begin to allow our gratefulness to be attached to the things of this world, you're setting yourself up for catastrophic failure because the things of this world, the scripture is clear, they will pass away. But the Lord and his word will stand forever. Amen. And I want to tell you today, we've got to begin to take our grateful heart and detach it from the things of this world that we think give us happiness. Because the truth of the matter is they're all temporal. Even with Job's catastrophic events, he recognized immediately where his true joy, where his true source came from. He says, I, I, I'm gonna, I can just imagine what, what people must have been thinking. Job is worshiping God. Look at what's happened to him. But I want to tell you, God truly is my source today. Amen. I want to give you just a couple of things this morning. I'm going to get back to Job at the, at the end of this message. But I want to give you just, I, I really gave this a lot of thought while I was gone on my trip. About what do I have that I can be thankful for regardless. Because you're going to have some times in your life that you need a reason to be thankful. When you can't see anything to be thankful for in the material realm. And I came up with just a couple of things that I want you to uh, recognize this morning. And I think you'll recognize you can be thankful for these as well. The number one thing that I'm thankful for is the victory of the cross. That's the number one thing I'm thankful for in this life. I, I sit back and say, like, God, what to, Lord, show me what can I really be thankful for. And the, I just begin to think, man, I'm thankful for the cross. Because Colossians chapter 2 tells me that my debt has been canceled. Can, do you understand what that means, church? You had a debt that you owed. It was a debt of sin that you could not pay, but because of the cross of Jesus Christ, that debt has been canceled today. I, I want to tell you, there is no, there is nothing that can undo what the cross did. Amen. I'm thankful today for the cross of Jesus. Romans chapter 6 tells me that the old me was crucified. The old me, the way I used to be, it was crucified with him, and now I am no longer a slave to sin. Is there anybody in God's house this morning that can testify and say, I'm so glad that I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm not bound by things of a sinful nature, but the old me was crucified with Jesus. I'm glad because of the victory of the cross that the grave no longer has any victory in death, 
no longer has any sting. I'm, I'm thankful today that because of the cross of Jesus and the salvation that it brought, that if my breath leaves my body before I step out of this pulpit today, that I'm going to be walking on the streets of gold because death doesn't have any sting any longer because I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm thankful today that because of the cross of Jesus Christ that the blood of Calvary is still as powerful today as it was the day that it was shed. I'm glad to know today that the blood covers me. I'm glad that I can pray a hedge of protection about myself because the blood of Jesus has brought victory in my life today. Amen. I'm glad to know that I can be thankful for the the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm glad because of the cross that my shame has been removed. Oh, I know some of you don't have anything in your life to be ashamed of, but I'm not one of those people. But I'm glad today that I don't have to walk in embarrassment. I don't have to walk with my head held down. I walk with it held high because I've got a banner over me that says God loves me. I've got a banner over me that says I am here. How many of you are glad today that your shame has been removed? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I may be a little rough around the edges, but I'm redeemed. Oh, uh, come on, somebody. I may be a little rough. I may, I may be a little rough around the edges, but I'm still redeemed. You know, I got to thinking through what all the cross has done for us and I begin to think about what the cross really did for Scripture. If you look at all the prophecies of the Messiah throughout the Old Testament, do you realize if, it, if the cross would not have happened, all Scripture would have been called into contradiction? Every promise, everything that was printed, but because of the cross, all Scripture is fulfilled. All the way back from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end. Because of the cross, it's all been fulfilled. 1 Chronicles 16-34 says, Give thanks to the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad to know that I didn't use up all the mercy when I was 16. Can I get a witness? Somebody. I'm glad to know I didn't use up all my mercy when I was 25. The Bible says God's mercy endures forever. Hebrews chapter 12 said we should give thanks because we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad to know today that because of the cross of Jesus that there is nothing in this world that can shake the kingdom to which I am established in. The kingdom of the Son of God. It cannot be shaken. Psalms 28 verse 7 says, I will trust in the Lord. He is my strength and my shield. Romans chapter 8 tells of never ending love for you and I because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to tell somebody in this place this morning something. Maybe you don't know him as your personal savior or maybe you, you don't have a real close relationship with him because things of the world have 
have slipped back into your life. But I want to encourage you in the Lord today. There is a never-ending love of the Lord for you. And I'm thankful that because of the cross, even though I sometimes get out of line. Anybody ever got out of line? Come on, church. Even though I get over in left field or over in right field, I'm glad to know that there is a never-ending love of Jesus Christ. And he's always recklessly heading towards me and ready to pull me back in when I call upon him. Because of the cross, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, I have the privilege of access. Psalms 100 says, with thanksgiving, I enter the courts of the Lord. I enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. I'm thankful today that because of the cross that the veil in the temple has been torn and I have the privilege of access. You have the privilege of access today. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to talk to a priest. You don't have to talk to a preacher. I want to tell you, you've got, if you're a child of the living God, you've got the privilege of access that you can go right right in to the holy of holies and you can touch the hem of his garment you can become face to face with the great I am and begin the Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the father and he is making intercession for the saints that's an amazing thought today that every time I need to reach the Lord my savior Jesus sits at his right hand I'm thankful today because of the cross, that he knows my name. My name's in the book. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. My name is in the book. My name is written down. We used to sing an old song. There's a new name written down in glory. Oh, it's mine. Yes, it's mine. I want to tell you something. My name's in the book. I don't know about yours because I'm not responsible for you, but I can guarantee you if my name is called, if the roll is called today, there's going to be a name stamped in it that says Michael Wayne Newcomb redeemed right beside of it and I want to tell you your name can be in the book maybe you came in today not knowing what your eternity looks like not knowing really who the Savior is but I want to tell you in this house today you don't have to leave like you came in there is a Savior that desires to reach down and bring salvation to you today your name can be in the book somebody give him praise in this place Hallelujah. I didn't really need y'all to clap. I just need to catch my breath. The second thing, the second thing. That I'm thankful for this morning. Is the helper abides with me. I tried to think about what it must have been like when the disciples were going to give up Jesus back into the heavens. Oh, I know he had told them what was going to happen. He had told them all the good stuff that we read, but I'm telling you, they really didn't grasp it. Can you imagine what it must have been like right before their very eyes? He's just gone. But let's look at John 14. He said, I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking, and he will give you another advocate or helper 
who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But listen to the last part of this verse. But you know him because he lives with you now. I love this last part, and I've never really picked up on it until this past week. But later, he's going to live in you. He, he's saying, listen, he, he, he's around you now. But later on, guys, this power, it's not going to be something that you just, it's going to be around you that you can brush into, that you can touch, that you can see. But this power is actually going to get on the inside of you. He said, later. Look at your neighbor and tell, tell him it's later. It's later. I want to tell you, the power of the Holy Spirit, I am thankful for today. Even though I don't have Jesus in the flesh walking this earth with me, he says, I sent my advocate, and it is later, and he lives on the inside of you. I want to ask you this morning, how, how long has it been since you really begin to dwell and think about the benefits of the Helper? living on the inside of you. I, I know we know it. We've been taught it. It's been preached to us. We, we understand that the Holy Spirit lives in us. But have you really stopped to dissect what that means and how it applies to your life? I'm thankful today that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. And, I, and listen, I, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit is such a well-rounded power. It's not just one little part of our life that he touches. In Acts chapter 1, it says that he empowers us. Jesus told the disciples, he said, you're going to receive power not many days from now. There is some extra power coming to your life. And I want to tell you this morning, even if everything is stripped away and everything is gone, the power of the Holy Spirit is still constant in my life. Hell can't bring so much against you to take the power of the Holy Spirit away. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible says that the Spirit renews us. I believe that's physically and emotionally. The Holy Spirit renews us. Is there anybody that's ever needed some renewal in your life today? I, I'm telling you, sometimes I need some renewal. I don't know how to do it myself, but that's why the Spirit lives on the inside of me. Romans chapter 8 tells me that He leads, He guides, and He intercedes for me. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm glad that I've got somebody to intercede for me because sometimes I don't know how to intercede for myself. Sometimes so much can be stripped away and life can get so chaotic and you've went through the same routine. Has anybody just been through the same routine so many times? You don't even know how to pray to get out of it anymore. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit says, I intercede for the children of God. 
Ephesians chapter 2 says he gives us access to the throne room. John chapter 16, he says he speaks for us when we don't have the words. Ephesians chapter 3 says he is our strength giver. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says he is our transformer. The Bible says that by the Spirit we are transformed from glory to glory. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm glad that God has never stopped transforming on me. If he had stopped in the beginning, oh, what a mess I would be today. But because of the power and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, the Bible says that I am transformed from glory to glory. Every time God begins to do something new, the Spirit still continues to transform me. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, he is a joy giver. How many of you need some joy back in your life? I mean, how many people walk around in the day that we live and they don't really have any joy? How many people come into the church on Sunday morning and they don't really have any true joy? It's, it's all a facade so often times, but I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is a joy giver. He brings joy back into your life. Those two things I can be thankful for all the time. If I don't have a truck, if I don't have my deer hunting lease, if everything is taken away, I can be thankful for the cross that redeemed me from the curse. I can be thankful that I have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, not around, not a stone's throw away, but living on the inside of me. Look back at Job. As we look back at his situation, we do see three distinct things that were evident. And they're evident in what he spoke or didn't speak. The evidence of a thankful heart will always be seen in your lips. That's where the fruit of it comes from. What do you speak? Listen, Job needed healing in his life. He needed healing emotionally, physically. He needed healing in every way. A thankful heart brings healing. Proverbs says that a thankful heart doeth good like a medicine. And if we look at Job's response, the first thing I want you to notice is he did worship. Worship to the Father always speaks life. Let me tell you something about this fleshly tongue that we have. If we're not careful, we'll speak death into our situations. And you can't go to enough Bible studies to cure that. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you. You can't go to enough church services or enough revivals to cure that. Your flesh will always want to gravitate to speak negatively about your situation. And I began to think about the way Job responded before he said anything. The Bible says he fell down and he worshiped. 
And I want to tell you this morning that worship speaks life. Worship speaks life into your situation. We can learn a great deal from him on this. When adversity comes your way and trials come your way, begin to worship above all else. Begin to just praise him for who he is, not because of what he's done or anything. Just begin to worship him because he is God. He is ruling and reigning over every principality, above every power, above every circumstance in life. Job worshiped. The second thing we see is he didn't blame. When we go through adversity, we are so quick to blame. The Bible says that in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. His wife, she had a problem with her mouth. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? Look at you. This is what she was saying in a nutshell. Look at you. We have lost everything we had. And look at your decrepit body. You look like death itself. Just curse God and die. Quit worshiping him. See, he never, he never lost. The Bible doesn't go into detail on this. But I'm going to tell you why she said curse God and die. Because he never lost his attitude of worship. Even through the whole process, he continued in worship. She says, I'll quit that. Just curse God and die. She said, will you still hold on to your integrity? And I want to tell you, don't get into blaming. He didn't speak. He didn't blame. Third thing, he didn't speak foolishly. He didn't speak foolishly. Proverbs 20, 15 says, wise speech is rare and more valuable than, than rubies. Foolish talk can cut off the access to the courts of heaven. Listen to me, church. Foolish talk can cut off the access to the throne room. Job held on to his integrity. If we look to the end of Job's story, Job 42, verse 16, Starts off like this, after this. Everybody say, after this. It says, after this, Job lived 140 years. He died old and full of days. Can I tell you something in this place this morning? Maybe you've been going through a catastrophic trial in your family, in your life, and you've been struggling to find a reason to be thankful. But if you will put your focus on the Lord... The psalmist said, I look to the hills from whence cometh my help. He goes on to say, because the God that I serve, he never slumbers or sleeps. In other words, he's watching the whole time. There's an after this in your situation. If you would just begin to put your focus this morning not on what you've lost, not on how much time you've put in. I'm, I'm telling you, this is for somebody today. Some of you are struggling with how much time you've put in and things still don't look right. 
But when you begin to put your focus back on the cross, the cross always leads to life. When you begin to just say, Lord, I, God, I don't have anything else. Everything else seems to be dissipated. But Lord, I, I can be thankful for the cross of Christ today. Lord, I can be thankful that even though you're not here in the flesh, that you sent an advocate, you sent a helper for me. It is the Holy Spirit, and he lives on the inside of me. And can I tell you, when you begin to focus on those two things, a thankful heart can be renewed on the inside of you because your thankful heart could be the catalyst for your victory. It could be the very avenue that God is waiting to open for your victory to come in on a thankful heart. Do you hold integrity when trials come? James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that remains steadfast under trial. Eric, if y'all come. We don't have many people that are steadfast anymore. The moment a trial comes, we, we seem to be pushed to and fro. But I want to tell you this morning, God wants to renew a thankful heart in you. This may seem foolishness to some, but when I was on my hunting trip last week, my buddy had killed a, just a once-in-a-lifetime deer. And I, three or four days and went by, and I was like, man, I was, I was having a little bit of a, anybody ever had a pity party? Am I the only one? Like, man, Lord, that could have been me. Lord, I'm serving you. I'm, Lord, I'm a preacher. He's just a contractor. I don't understand. I mean, where's the extra favor here? I was happy for him to get that deer, but, and I'm telling you, in that very moment, the Lord just spoke into my spirit. He said, think about how thankful you should be for just being able to sit here and enjoy what you're enjoying because there are people that could not. There are people that couldn't. Whether it's get away from work, get away from family, physically, God said, be thankful. And you know, it made the rest of my trip so wonderful because I, every day when I would get up and get in that deer stand, the sun would come up. I thought, God, thank you. God, thank you. I, I know that seems so small, but God, thank you for just allowing me to be here. Thank you for allowing me to be here. When I put my focus on Him, everything else seems so small. Everything else seems so small. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphearst.org. Thank you and God bless.